Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Matt and I'm here with Andrew. Today we're going to be talking about true romance and, well, I'll let Alabama set it up for you. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. from the highways and byways of Tallahassee, Florida to Motor City, Detroit to find my true love. If you gave me a million years to ponder, I would never have guessed that true romance in Detroit would ever go together. And to this day, the events that followed all seem like a distant dream. But the dream was real and was to change our lives forever. I kept asking Clarence why our world seemed to be collapsing and everything seemed so shitty. And he'd say, that's the way it goes. But don't forget, it goes the other way too. That's the way romance is. Usually that's the way it goes. But every once in a while, it goes the other way too. the second or third time we've talked about Face Off on the podcast. Oh, really? Without actually talking about Face Off. We probably should do that. We should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But not today. No. No. Because today we are talking about true romance. I'm going to get the intro out now instead of half an hour into the episode. Do it. Do it. Get so it True Romance was a movie came out in 1993. Uh, it was written, obviously, by Quentin Tarantino. Maybe not obviously to some people. <laughs> Um, because he usually writes and directs his own movie. But this is back in the day. He was just starting out. This is the first script he ever wrote was True Romance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by Tony Scott. Uh, Tony Scott is a brother of Ridley Scott. Um, but he's not just uh, the brother of Ridley Scott. He is a, a filmmaker in his own right that's that's had a lot of, um, of high-profile popular movies. You know, back in the '80s, it was you know it was Top Gun. That was that was probably like his 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 most famous one when he when he first started. Um, did you would you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously that would be the most famous one. Yeah. So I mean, uh, he's done stuff like uh, what are you doing? Oh, okay. Um, so he's done stuff like he's done Top Gun. Uh, he did Beverly Hills Cop Two, and that Beverly Hills Cop Two is the, the least recognizable to me. I remember the events of the first one. Okay. I remember the events of the third one. A lot of that was that um, Happy Land, or you know, it had that theme park. What was that theme park in Beverly Hills th- uh, uh, Cop Three? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Part Two was always. Uh, uh, it's always been more of a least or less watched one for me. Um, but he also did Days of Thunder. Um, this one, Last Boy Scout, Crimson Tide, uh, Enemy of the State, uh, Man of Man on Fire, Domino, Deja Vu, um, The Taking of Pelham 123, and Unstoppable. 
Now, Unstoppable is like one of my great movies. I, I wouldn't say it's like top 10 movies as far as my favorite movies of all time, but it's one of these movies, Unstoppable, that I, I, I watch like every six months or something. And, and like it's coming that, out pretty recently. Train. It's, it's not that old of a movie. Really. 2010. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, 10 year movie, but. Yeah, but I mean, that still. was the last movie he directed. Yeah. So, and obviously, um, Tony Scott passed away. Um, some time ago, um, some unfortunate circumstances. He was uh, had a lot of problems, a lot of troubles in his life um, that we don't really need to get into. I'm yeah. sure you could look it up if you'd like to, but uh, it's a shame because he was very, uh, very talented. Um, but um, sometimes the fight of life can be a little, t- a little too, a little too tough for some people. I think. I suppose. Um, but anyways. Um, True Romance, uh, like I said, it came out in 1993. It was uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. And, uh, Quentin Tarantino written this movie, and he'd also written Reservoir Dogs. Um, and he wanted to make one, but he couldn't make both of them. Wait, did you say he directed this movie? No, no, no. Quentin I Tarantino... You said that before. Oh, I don't know if I did, but Quentin Tarantino wrote both of these movies, True yeah. Romance and Reservoir I, I Dogs. That, yeah. Right. Um, and then he, uh, he couldn't do both of them. Yeah. He could only do one, and Tony Scott wanted to do one, and so basically Quentin Tarantino told him to pick one. Yeah, and he really wanted to do Reservoir Dogs, but he wanted to do Tromance, True Romance just a bit more. Yeah, so uh, he picked uh, True Romance, and um, Quentin. Did, Tar- did he do Natural Born Killers too? No, that was um, Oliver Stone, I believe. But it's the it's the same world slash universe. Same. Not really. It, it was originally started out to be. So the characters in this movie are played by Christian Slater and uh, Patricia Arquette. Um, and, you know, they play um, Alabama and Clarence. Um, they were, when they're, you know, when they're on the road trip in the movie, yeah. Clarence was, like, writing a yes. story called Natural Born Killers. Yeah. And that's that's where that whole thing came from. And it was going to be told as one big movie. But when Tony Scott uh, took over See, and all I this kind of stuff. it was the opposite of what you just said. Quentin Tarantino decided to just split him up into two. No, he was having Clarence write Natural Born Killers. And I then he split him up into two in movies. In the Natural Born Killers, when they kidnapped the, the, those, that writer, right? And that writer was the one that writing the story about true romance. I'll confess I to you, I have never watched Natural Born really? Killers. Oh man, it's been a no. long time for me, but I do remember. I know bits that and film. pieces of it and everything. I've just never seen the whole thing, um, but I do know in my research on this that, uh, as you know, when they're going from Detroit to L.A. Yeah. on that road trip or whatever, they were they were going to have some scenes of him writing about Natural Born, and they were going to have some of the events in Natural Born Killers in this movie. Yeah. But he just decided to split it up and say that story is its own thing. Let's let let's have them be that, and then let's have Clarence and Alabama be this. Because then I think they were going to cast, uh, or Quentin Tarantino wanted to cast um, Juliette Lewis, who we talked about last week in What's Eating Gilbert Great. He wanted to cast her as Alabama in in this movie if he had done this movie. Yeah. But he didn't obviously, and so he used uh, he. Uh, well, I don't know if he maybe recommended her to Oliver Stone for. Um, for natural born killers yeah. or, or what it may be but no no she like i said last episode that you know she's very good at <clears throat> playing that that crazy psycho who is very good uh, Julia Lewis. Lewis. and so you know in, in gilbert grape she really didn't play that that role but in natural born killers yeah we had talked about yeah. she was being more reactionary to everything yeah, that was yeah. happening to her how would you describe if somebody were to ask you because I read some uh, some stories online about oh you know my mom bought this movie um, because of the title alone. 
Yeah. And so I wonder how many people see the title True Romance. I mean, especially if they're in the DVD, you know, or, you know, Blockbuster back in the day and they see these two characters smiling on the front of the thing and, and see it's called True Romance. They get it's a romance movie. Yeah. And then they get what they get. Or some people who strolling through Netflix nowadays or, or Amazon or whatever find this movie, you know, find that it's called True Romance. And, not, you know, they don't read the description and start yeah. watching it. Well, How would be, you describe to, this movie? Well, here's the thing. To, to be perfectly honest with you, I probably didn't watch this film until about 2005, 2006. And I was in the military and uh, uh, a buddy of mine on the ship, he actually, you know, suggested watching this movie. And when I heard, you know, True Romance, I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe it's just a rom-com or something, you know, I didn't expect it to be what it was and then you know uh, i put the movie in i'm like okay this is a lot older and then bam you know i mean you you walk in on 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 <laughs> the violence of a quentin tarantino oh, script exactly and, the, and but i mean i watched that movie through and i was like wow that was a really good movie you know and and but to hear it off you know true romance i'm like oh, man but then it was like okay quentin tarantino was attached to the film too so okay you do you know. think it's a good title no no you don't think don't. it's a good title i don't you know, if if, if I would have knew you were going to ask that question, I probably could have thought of something. But I think it's just like an alternate title. Yeah, I, I think. This okay, is, so just say this doesn't have a title, the, and you've never heard of the the the, the phrase "true romance." What yeah. would you call this movie? Beginning of uh, Tarantino's insanity. <laughs> the beginning insanity. of it. Uh, not, not so I'm much. I'm not insanity. knocking. It. I love, I love Tarantino I think more movies. More eclectic, more. Um, it was extremely vulgar, right and, and, and I you know, to be honest, perfectly honest with you, it did bother me, you know, like a lot of the women getting hit and, you know, right. uh, by full-grown men, you know, that, that kind of hit me at the core of, of myself, you know, for a lot of it. But again, you know, you look at Tarantino movies, Kill Bill, for instance, is a perfect example, but, it, you know, he doesn't pull any punches, literally, you know? Yeah, you know... Well, you were talking about when you had first seen this. I saw this much. I saw it back in the 90s. It might yeah. have been right around when it first came out. Um, but I I didn't pay any real attention to it. Um, it was a drug movie and all this kind of stuff. I mean, mainly that's what it's about. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't watch it because I just wasn't into that when I was younger. You know, I wanted to see, like, action movies and stuff, but not like this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we probably, you know, this is not something that we could watch on a regular basis, you know, or with our parents. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah with, with your parents or right. with children, you know, under the age of... Well, yeah. Age, well, 17, really. Talking yeah. nowadays, yeah, well, I definitely wasn't able to have my kid in the room. But it's it's one of these things where you had to go to your, you know, friend's house who their parents didn't really care what yeah. you watch or yeah. at least didn't monitor or whatever. But... Um, I think it. I think it's a good. I think it's a good title, and the reason really? I think that is because I see true romance as a fairy tale. Okay, so uh, if you ask Quentin Tarantino, and I don't think this is how it happened, but if you ask Quentin Tarantino, write a fairy tale. I think true romance is what you would get, um, because you have Clarence, who's a nobody, right? Right. You think in a classic fairy tales back in the day, a nobody farm boy that becomes a knight, whatever, you know, the Luke Skywalker tale or, you know, the medieval knight tale or Princess Bride or whatever, you know, these stories where it's a nobody. Um, but, he, you know, he doesn't have any friends or anything, but he's extremely handsome. He's charming. Um, he's charismatic and all that. But for some reason, he doesn't have any friends. He's like a little loner nerd that likes to watch his, his movie. And I say nerd, I mean like movie nerd. 
and everything like he likes his his movies his kung fu movies we, we, yeah. and all this kind of stuff yeah right so he falls in love with a like-minded soul who's in trouble so he valiantly takes you know them both on an adventure to free her from her captors and to secure for them you know the means to start a life together right. so i mean it's like a fairy tale and and a lot of like their dialogue in the movie is just outrageous or weird you know like she goes, you know, uh, from this moment forward, I promise to never lie again. Or, you know, that the way she, uh, I can't remember what the exact line was. Drexel, what's what's the Drexel? Please shut up, I'm trying to come clean, okay? I've been a call girl for exactly four days and you're my third customer. I want you to know that I'm not damaged goods. I'm not what they call in Florida white trash. I'm a really good person. And when it comes to relationships, I'm 100%. I'm 100% monogamous. You stay with one guy? Exactly. If I'm with you, then I'm with you. And I don't want anybody else. Now, I got to tell you something else. What you said last night was one of the best times you ever had. Did you mean physically? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the whole night. I mean, I... I never had as much fun with the girls I had with you my whole life. <laughs> it's true. I, you like Elvis. You like you like Janice. You like uh, kung fu movies. You like the Partridge Family. <laughs> Actually, I don't like the Partridge Family. That was part of the act. And I feel really goofy saying this after only knowing you one night. Me being a car going on. But I think I love you. Wait a second. Look, I've been trying to keep this whole thing in perspective. I mean, you just said you love me. Now, if I say I love you and just throw caution in the wind and let the chips fall where they may, and you're lying to me, I'm gonna fucking die. I'm not lying to you. And I swear from this moment forth, I'll never lie to you again. Did you notice something with those two characters, though? It, it almost seemed like it was... Clarence in Alabama? Yeah, I mean, it was almost seemed like they were one character. You know what I mean? Just one character. You know the old saying, you know, two sides of the coin. Two sides the of the same, same coin, coin, you know? And so... I, I felt like they were two sides of the same coin, and I feel like in a way that Tarantino was this was supposed to be him, you know, be, well, be in the movie buff and, and things like he's that. He's actually said that True Romance is the most autobiographical yes. film that he has ever written because Clarence exactly. is a lot like him. Now, obviously, Christian Slater is a very good looking, handsome, leading man type of person, comparable to yes. Tarantino, not quite. But I feel like I feel like they them two together are the same character, you know. In 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 you know they have their differences, but I mean they almost make up like a yin yang situation, you know, where where I kind of feel like this was Quentin Tarantino, both these characters together in a sense. Yeah, maybe because of the way I've I, I've always seen these is it's the way these two act in the movie is like children. They act like twelve year olds. Both yeah. of them do. And so it's like they're children trapped in adult bodies yes. because the way they react, they're very naive with the things. Have no real worry, no real real worries in the world. You no, know? not really. Or you know, just have a you know they see the world through the eyes of movies. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 
went and uh, well I'll, yeah we'll get more into that but i mean i've always just seen them as like these kids that are pretending that you know somehow got adult bodies and now they're yeah. doing adult stuff but like you know they don't take real like you said they don't take real situations seriously no. you know they're in a very serious situation when they're doing the drug they don't realize the money it. yeah and she's sitting there writing on a napkin you're so cool yeah. you know different things yeah. like that which is such a an awesome uh uh important part of this movie the you're so cool thing but did you feel like like especially near you know near the beginning it it, it kind of felt like he was just trying to throw you know uh pop culture in there you know just randomly like you know with the, the elvis whole, speech with the elvis speech you know and, and it wasn't really elvis. like you didn't feel like he really uh was in love with it. i mean granted named their kid elvis spoiler alert no well, and he saw he saw elvis throughout the entire movie right His right imagination and everything Val, him how Val cool Kilmer and, yeah. and all that stuff and and but but it was just it was really weird to me that it was just kind of like threw the elvis thing in there but it, you didn't feel like that was really part of the story or that you know, you feel like it was supposed to be part of the story, but in a way, it really wasn't. It wasn't impactful. You know, the the, the whole Elvis thing. I, I felt like it wasn't impactful with that. You know, and then and then around that time, you know, martial arts movies had a had an uptick. I felt like you know during this time of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, there's a real uptick in the '90s and and things like that. You know. Of That's Martin. when the U.S. was starting to take notice of like anime and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, too. And, and so there's a real uptick with martial arts. So they threw the the martial arts feel into it, and then like you said, the lens through a movie. You know what I mean? And 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 it just kind of felt like like some of it was forced in in a sense. You know, like he was trying to make you see a certain way, but it was kind of hard not to see it a different way. You know. I'm trying to f- do you think they're close to the natural born killer characters then? yes yes I because do. I, I was thinking about but this you know they're, with they're, morals maybe but maybe they don't have morals yeah. because I mean uh, the, the, you know like I said you know these they, you got two leads trapped in adult bodies or whatever Clarence's dad realizes this and yes. treats him like a yes. kid yeah. you know like you are exactly like your mother you come in here half caught yeah. he's still treating him like a kid and yeah. everything right and talking to him like that and maybe they're like that but maybe they're just psychopathic. Yeah, that's maybe true. maybe this is the beginning they would, they would of have this to be. journey. They would have to be psycho- uh, and that, psychotic. That switch never flipped yeah, in their brains never until did. they met each other. Yep, and then suddenly they become so obsessed with each exactly. other that you know and, and you they're serial killers. You know, like throughout throughout uh, you know history and stuff like that. You know, and these serial killers, y- y- they almost went to that childlike mentality with a lot of things, and they, they couldn't you know get themselves past seeing what what they were doing was wrong to yeah. them it, w- it wasn't wrong or just like, like a bonnie and clyde type right of situation right with, or, with these characters they didn't feel like anything they were doing wrong they were just on a path they knew where they wanted to go they didn't care how they got there as long as they got to there you know and we're, we're real adults you know they they plan to get to that path and who says they stopped after this right because yeah, what did they get 200 grand yeah that's really not that much money yeah. No. Not to like run away and start a new life right. and everything. Well, in Cancun that, it is. You know, yeah, you, you know, can get I'm to sure. Cancun, but For eventually you're going to run out of money. Yeah, absolutely. And these two, being the way they are, they're going to come up with another harebrained scheme on how to make some money and everything. Yeah. You know, now this was just a bunch of circumstances. You know, there happened to be drugs and all that, yeah. so they took the opportunity and everything. Now, would they do that again? Would they get a taste of that lifestyle? Would Would Clarence be like, you know what? I handled myself pretty good in that situation. Yeah. I was kind of a badass. So we could do this again, you know, is this going to continue? Then are they going to, you know, 
start either a crime spree or you know I don't think I you know I don't think they're killers, but maybe they they enjoy the crime aspect of it. You know, he's seen yeah. enough movies that you know. Well, in her past, you know, I mean, she's she's the the grew up in a small town. You know, moved moved up to 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 try to make something of herself. You know, and then you know drove cross country with some random guy you know what i mean what she was a, he was her second client she said i believe um I, I it was her first week she had been working for uh drexel for it was either two days or four days she yeah. said so it could have been she could have been her first client um, right 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 but you know if if she was maybe training for a few days and then actually had her first client as clarence or whatever or maybe she was doing three you know Two or two to four days worth of you know clients yeah. and, and business and stuff before she met before she met him and everything. But uh, you know, I, I I'm sure that uh, I just think that she probably had a couple before that. I mean, she I mean she came from you know a small town, moving up, trying to make something. She was trying to be an actress, right? I don't know if she was wanting to be an actress. I think she was just this 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 girl who got trapped in there by her circumstances yeah. you know she she didn't have much she didn't have much of an edu- education or whatever and i think she was from somewhere because she didn't say she was she had to come from somewhere was it tallahassee florida to find her true love yeah to detroit yeah uh, so you know she came up from florida and i don't know what the heck she came from. <laughs> who goes from tallahassee to detroit but you know to escape tallahassee yeah to get to the most people would escape, go to new york uh, or yeah, something or, well know, la or, or escape detroit to go to tallahassee right right or something like that you but. know and, and one thing i did like about this movie again was the scenery you know i mean the, you know you, and the cinematography yeah it really was for for that for that time period it really was really well shot at and, the beginning when she pulled up to the theater yeah and you got the sense like some of it's almost black and white yeah but then you have colors that pop through and the, the sunset kind of comes through. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that really stood out to me was when she got to the, the, the theater and the, the sunset was going on, but some of it looked kind of black and white. It was a very interesting color palette. It really was. And, and, and the weather, you know, I mean, it wasn't perfect uh, weather for some of these movies that you end up watching, you know, where it's like pretty sunny weather. I mean, because it was real Detroit weather, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, it was re- during the wintertime, obviously, you know. Yeah, and you could tell that, like, maybe a blue lens or something like that, blue yeah. filter, uh-huh. was used to make it seem darker, more dreary. Yeah. And, you know, to make drear, uh, Detroit a drearier place, whereas then you get to L.A. and it's either regularly lit or overexposed because yeah. it's nice and bright and sunny and yeah. awesome there. And maybe that shows... You know, Quentin Tarantino, that could have been in the script even, um, shows that I don't know where he came from, but obviously yeah. he sees L.A. as like kind of like the promised land. It's a bright, happy place. Well, that's, that's where what movies show. get made. Yeah, that's, that's what they what he show. Loves. Yeah, in the movies and yeah. TV and everything. You know, but I, I just love the fact that he chose a city like Detroit. You know, that's just like kind of like, I mean, it's not a huge city. It's not a small city. You know, it's not known for being, you know, this, this lavish lavish city to live in and you know it's 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 really broken down the city's you know broken down in that sense you know i mean yeah, no offense to the people that want to live no. there but i mean it's, yeah and it's it's gone through its problem it it's, has. it's it's gone through major depressions economically and all that kind yeah. of stuff and so you you want to find a dreary place a big place yeah but a dreary place for somebody to escape from yeah 
Chicago and Detroit. Oh yeah, and and that's that's the thing. That's I think that's why he portrayed that. You know, he he portrayed some some place where, you know, obviously. Who, when you say he, did you mean Tony uh, Scott uh, or Quentin Tarantino? No, Tarantino. Okay. You know, with, with Tarantino, that's what he, I think he wanted to portray where, you know, Clarence grew up in Detroit, you know, and, and you know, he really wasn't doing anything with his life, you know. I mean, again, they threw in the, the uh, obligatory uh, comic book shop randomly, you know, Which because, probably, showing how he's a hero. Yeah, right. And, and you know, showing he's a... He, he's wanting to be a hero, you know, because of he's watching these martial arts movies and, you know, getting pumped for the, the star of the movie and the downtrodden person, you know, and, and them coming up on top. Same thing with the hero thing, you know, with the comic books. Yeah. You know, and then going from Detroit to L.A., you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, now my life's going to be better because I travel cross country to a different state, you know, yeah. when the sunnier and, and, and... And he's not even from anywhere. He's from Tennessee, actually. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino is from Knoxville, Tennessee. And he, yeah. grew, he actually grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, he actually um, funded Reservoir Dogs yeah. by his sale of the script for True Romance. And that must have sucked for him because, you know... I'm sure many people know him well enough to know that yeah. he wants to be in control of his own work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it must have been hard for to him his to benefit, sell one though. of his scripts. Not that Tony Scott didn't do a good job. He did a great job. <laughs> but it must have been hard for him. But he was at least get, able to get some money to make Reservoir Dogs. And Empire uh, Magazine has called Reservoir Dogs the greatest independent film of all time. Yeah. So And it's really what jump-started his yeah. career. So now, uh, now let me ask you this. Are you a Tor- Tarantino fan? I am. I'm not. I'm not a Tarantino fan. Like some people get into Tarantino, like yeah. uh, worship and everything. But um, that's that's one of those filmmakers. You go to see the movies um, for the art of yeah. filmmaking. I mean, the it, dialogue, yeah. the yeah. way it's. It, you know, he's got a unique uh, story structure for every single one of his yeah. movies. I don't know if I've seen any of his movies that were linear you know from start to finish because he always does it out of order right and he does that so because he wants you to see it from a perspective that he wants you to see it from so and and we're going to get into this would you consider him a genius in that sense oh yeah 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 yeah. because i mean it's a matter of writing a movie and then maybe taking the scenes and taking them out of order and when you take them out of order like that now you have a completely different perspective yeah and we, we see that I think in in, uh, in Kill Bill more than anything you know, that and we done. would have seen it here and yeah. I'll, I'll I'll talk more about that here in just a bit but uh, we would have seen that here had the structure been followed by Tony Scott but Tony Scott wanted it to be linear yeah um, just go over this movie real quick uh, it stars Christian Slater as Clarence Worley uh, Patricia Arquette as Alabama uh, Alabama Whitman who becomes Alabama Worley yeah uh, Dennis Hopper as uh, Clarence's dad Clifford Worley it also stars uh, Val Kim Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, um, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rappaport, uh, James Gandolfini. I mean, <laughs> when you hear this cast, yeah. Now it's, it's we say that a lot. Cast. We say that a lot, and right? Everything. But I mean, I, I, maybe that's just because the movies we're picking. You know, it has these yeah. amazing casts. Well, well, I mean, look, look at the all-star cast. I mean, in every single one of his films, in Tarantino's films, he does this. He puts in these stars. I mean. To be honest with you, Samuel L. Jackson probably wouldn't be where he's at if it wasn't Tarantino, and that's my opinion, of course. Well, and a lot of people say, you know, they've asked, uh, like, the, the, you know, it, it, it's a question that's asked a lot, is Quentin Tarantino racist? Should yeah. he be, because he uses the N-word in a lot of his movies, pretty yeah. much all of them. Um, <clears throat> so is he racist? 
Um, you know, they asked Samuel Jackson about this, and he says, Samuel Jackson said it's impossible for Quentin Tarantino to be a racist, and this is why. It's because, and I think this movie aside, and I think um, Reservoir Dogs aside as well, uh, he says that, that, that's, uh, that Quentin Tarantino always writes the best parts for Samuel L. Jackson yeah. to where he nobody usually gets the better of him. He's the, the, the person who comes out on top or gives them more moral advice and is the smartest person. So he's like, I don't see how he could write roles for me like that and be a racist. Well, and that's the thing with, uh, with him playing like Mace Windu. I heard Samuel L. Jackson's like that a lot where he has to uh, he has to play if he's going to play a character he has to play a character that basically comes out at the end whether or not it's like a big thing or just a small little thing where he's just kind of out in the end because I mean I'm sure you read about it too but they're talking about how you know they're, they're going to try to work it or Samuel Jackson has an idea for where they can work it so Mace Windu is actually not really dead in the Star Wars universe you know he's he's also come out Samuel Jackson's come out and said a lot of controversial things about that matter in particular you know but but at the same time you know you get you get great flicks from Quentin Tarantino so where it doesn't matter what race you are you enjoy his films you know I mean it's just they're they're great films you know every single one of them I mean he did what Django Unchained you know or something like that uh, yeah, he did Django Unchained, and that's the thing is that usually you have, like, yeah, there's that the N word in movies a lot and derogatory terms towards uh, uh, black people in particular. Yeah, um, but it's usually done by like despicable characters you're supposed to hate anyways. Yeah, yeah. So you could explain it away like that. It's like, well, it's just a real life. You yeah. know, we're, we're not people, explaining it no, that way. Like, we're, we're just referring no, to like what, this what, is how people talk. You know, this is yeah. just how the world is. Um, and uh, we're showing a now in this movie, it has a very likable character in Clarence's dad, played by Dennis Hopper, yeah. who has some kind of racist mar- remarks. Yeah. So I don't know how you explain that away, other than it was just a different time and that um, he knew that Sicilians. Or Italian people, you know, they don't, you know, there, there's some racism there towards black people, yeah, historically. Um, and so, you know, when he's like, Now, if that's a fact, tell me, am I lying? Because you, you're part eggplant. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. You're a cantaloupe. That was totally lib, too. That was not well, scripted. That, those two parts right yeah. there. But yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things like, well, Okay, is he saying, is he laughing because, oh, you're, you know, your ancestors are black and it's supposed to be a bad thing? Or does he not really care, but he knows that that would offend the Vincenzo character that Christopher Walken played because he knows that he's Sicilian and was probably racist against black people? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it had a lot to do with that, just in the simple fact he knew he was not going to be making it out of there. You know, he knew that, he knew his outcome. Dennis Hopper's character knew his outcome. Knew where where what was going to end up happening, you know. Wasn't, they yeah. were just going to let him go. We don't have to stay in the racism thing too much. Uh, Christopher Wa- or Christopher Walken, Quentin Tarantino movies have been talked 
ad nauseum about the racist thing and everything and you know you and i are two white guys so we should probably just stop talking about it anyways well yeah i'm just saying with with, with his film like having having christopher walken in this film i wanted more of him i felt like i wanted more of that character yeah, i wanted role. him to come out at the end at the end with, but, with his and, and that's kind of people. the thing that blew me away most about this movie i think but he's you know, more of a high level thing and he actually made the comment which i thought was awesome was that you know, I haven't killed anybody since 1980-whatever it was that he said. Yeah. He hadn't killed anybody in years. Uh, but he took pleasure in, in killing uh, Dennis Hopper's character for what he said and everything. But that's I think that he made that point, like, look, I'm here to get answers. Yeah. And I'm here to get answers quick and to intimidate. Now I'm going to send my guys to go yeah. do the easy But, I mean, you have these two, two awesome actors. I mean, phenomenal actors. I mean... The late great, you know, Dennis Hopper in this film. And it was like he put for what he played in this role, I mean, he just did it perfectly. This is know? an iconic it has to be an iconic scene. And yeah. I put it up there with the diner scene in Heat between Pacino and De Niro. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever you have a because, you know, with every scene you have a tough guy and you have an also tough guy, or maybe you have two tough guys, but you have one that you're showing is superior to the other in a scene in some way. Well, okay. Okay, on but that. in what? What about speed between Dennis Hopper and, and, and uh, Keanu Reeves? You know, the the I elevator scene most of all. Yeah, but I don't, I, don't, I don't have Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves isn't that top but that, tier yeah, I know that. But what I'm saying is that those two tough guy actors, you know, both of them are really kind of, you know, which one's the, the toughest? You know, do you got Keanu Reeves or oh, Dennis oh, Hopper? Oh, Dennis Hopper was definitely the alpha male in that right. situation. Okay, because, okay. I mean... He knew what was going on. Uh, Jack in that movie was completely oblivious. You know, yeah. he he all he, he charges into situations without thinking. Wants yeah. to be the hero and everything. So, and obviously Dennis Hopper's character got away in that. But I'm yeah. talking about like you know you usually have a situation like that where it's like, well yeah, Keanu Reeves may be physically tougher. Yeah, but. He's got nothing compared to Dennis Hopper's character who who has had experience yeah. and talks down to Jack and is nosy smart his brain nosy yeah. smarter than him and stuff like that. But in movies like or in scenes like The Heat with De Niro and Pacino and in scenes like this where you have two people that are not only fantastic Oscar winning actors like right, this, right, right. but they're on the same level intellectually. Yeah. Um they're probably pretty close to each other physically the one used to be a cop he's obviously a seasoned cop yeah. uh and he's uh probably like a security guard or something now but um he's older and he's got this experience yeah and vincenzo played by christopher walken he's younger but he's still got probably the same amount of experience because mm -hmm. being in that mob world and side. being a mob boss like he was yeah. or even a sub boss like he was yeah. You know, because he did work for somebody, but um, he he's seen a lot, he's done a lot, and everything. Like you said, he hasn't had to kill anybody since. But Dennis Hopper's, uh, 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 what is his name, uh, Clifford, yeah. in this movie, he knew exactly. So he he tried to. When do you think he knew he was a dead man in that scene? The moment they showed up, really. With his experience. The moment they showed up, I, I feel like that he knew what was coming that's why he you know pulled out all the stops i could agree know? with that but he did lie a couple times it felt like he was maybe trying to lie his way out of it but i think that was more for clarence and alabama's yeah. benefit uh he knew he was dead as soon as he 
they kind of woke his up. Name. They mentioned his son's name, I think, is what well, was the moment. As soon as he woke up and looked around and yeah. saw Italians, mob-looking people, trench coats, they're looking around his part. They've, they've assaulted him. They've punched him. He doesn't know where his dog is. As soon as that happened, and he woke up and saw the situation he was in, before he even said one word, he knew he was dead. Yeah. Do you know who I am, Mr. Woolley? I give up. Who are you? The Antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as counsel for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. I hear you were once a cop, so I can assume you've heard of us before. Am I correct? I've heard of Blue Lou Boyle. I'm glad. Hopefully, that will clear up the half full of shit on my question you've been asking yourself. We're going to have a little Q&A. And at the risk of sounding redundant, please make your answers genuine. You want a Chesterfield? No. I have a son, my own, about your boy's age. I can imagine how painful this must be for you. But Clarence... An habitual girlfriend of his brought this all on themselves. I implore you not to go down that road with them. You can always take comfort in the fact you never had a choice. We talked to your neighbors. They saw a Cadillac. Purple Cadillac. Clarence's purple Cadillac parked in front of your trailer yesterday. Mr. Wally. You're getting angry asking the same question a second time. Where did they go? They didn't tell me. Now, you just wait a minute and listen to me. I haven't seen Clarence in three years. He shows up yesterday with a young girl, saying that he got married. He asked uh, for uh, some quick uh, cash to go on a honeymoon. He asked me if uh, he could borrow $500. I felt like helping him, so I wrote him out a check. We went to breakfast in the morning. And that's the last I saw of him. So help me God. They never thought to tell me where they were going. And I never thought to ask. But now it was like, okay, how can I throw them off so that Clarence can stay alive and that Alabama can stay alive and all that? Because it was almost like he was trying to lie for himself and then finally he resigned and said, I think I will take that cigarette now. Yeah. Um, which, which uh, you know, it seems like that in movies always, always like getting me pumped and everything. Oh, I'll take my life. Like, like, like they're making that sacrificial moment. Like I know I'm about to die. So they're trying to be brave about it. Let me have a cigarette yeah. before I die or whatever. But he knew exactly what to say to get at that Vincenzo character. Um, and, and the racism kind of, you know, saying that, you know, the Moors came up and slept with all the Sicilians. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, you are part eggplant. And now eggplant is a very derogatory uh, term. You know, it, it, it's because, you know, I think it's used in used in Italy and everything. But, I mean, because eggplants are so dark. Yeah. You know, they could be purple, but they could be so dark purple they look black yeah. and everything. So that's, that's a racial term. But in that moment, that wasn't scripted. <clears throat> that was Dennis Hopper's line says, and you, you're part eggplant. And then Christopher Walken says, you're a cantaloupe, you know, yeah. and they start laughing. And I think that laughter was real because they're, they ad-libbed those two lines. Yeah. But 
that the, the whole the whole thing the way that the reason that that story was fold uh, unfolded is because you know they did their little uh, I'm gonna f- see how much I can get away with yeah. lying and then they broke it down and got real and Christopher Walken was like you know Sicilians are great liars best in the world I'm Sicilian my father was the world heavyweight champion of Sicilian liars. From growing up with him, I learned the pantomime. There are 17 different things a guy can do when he lies to give himself away. Guy's got 17 pantomimes. Woman's got 20, guy's got 17. But if you know them, like you know your own face, they'd be lie detectors all to hell. Now, what we got here is a little game of show and tell. You don't want to show me nothing, but you tell me everything. I know you know where they are, so tell me. Before I do some damage, you won't walk away from. Could I uh, <clears throat> have one of those Chesterfields now? And yeah. he uses the point that like that it's a Sicilian thing. I'm Sicilian. He's so proud of being Sicilian, and Sicilian can spot liars. I've been raised by liars. I know. He goes, you are not telling me anything, but you're showing me everything. You know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I got your number. Yeah. And so Clifford flips it on him. Yeah. And he goes, okay, you're Sicilian, right? And so he tells him the history of Sicilians uh-huh. to, and, and, and to knowing that it'll rile him up because, you know, they generally don't like black people or whatever by saying that his ancestors are black. And, and he goes, now, if I'm lying... Or uh, what did he say? Uh, uh, it, 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 if if you can tell the truth, or what did he say? He said something like, you know, am I lying? Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, or no, he goes, if that's a fact, am I lying? Or, yeah. Tell me I'm lying or whatever. Yeah. And so, if he's if he's right, Christopher Walken, if he's right, then he's got to admit that that story was true. Yeah. But if he's wrong and he really can't tell liars, yeah. then he can just pretend that that's not true yeah. and everything. So either way, either way, he's now put Christopher Walken's Vincenzo character in a corner to where either way he's going to look bad. Yeah. You know, if, if he says, yeah, you're lying, then, you know, he, he, he now is just denying mm-hmm. what the facts are because obviously Clifford was telling the truth. Yeah. But if he if he admitted it now he's so you know he he's put him in the corner to where it it incensed him so bad where he just starts laughing and he even kisses the guy yeah, yeah and then yeah. he grabs the gun and he kills him and everything he he made him so mad. that's that's what I love about that scene Clifford knowing exactly what he did and it does it in a way where they're completely he's not even thinking about Clarence now. yeah. You know, well, I mean, it's now almost it's like stupid could, they had their information up on yeah. the fridge. That sucks, but you know, it, it would be kind of cool to have have those two characters, you know, almost have their own story, like a side story. You know what I mean? Now, granted, Dennis Hopper did get killed. I mean, we it, it's it's not like shown. you mean you mean if they had a side story like together, if they had history yeah. together yes, or something? Yes, yes, I think Maybe. that would be that would be like kind of a cool. Like if he was like story. if if the Sicilian dude was like Dennis Hopper's first caller, he was yeah. a rookie. The, the Vincenzo guy was yeah. just starting out in the yeah. mob and or something like that. Yeah. yeah, that would have been a little interesting. Well, and, but, and, 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 and anybody else writing the story might might have done something like that. And, and you see, and you see, you know, and, and it makes a good point in movies. You know, you see this this happen quite often, but um, or you don't see it happen happen often enough. You know, Dennis Hopper gets punched right in the nose. You know, by by uh, 
um, Christopher Watkins. I have a note on that. And he makes a good point. And Mike Tyson said something about this once, you know, was saying that, you know, basically Mike Tyson was saying how, you know, everybody's pretty much a, uh, a bad a, 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 a bad guy or, or you know you think you're a tough tough guy until you get punched in the until face until you get hit in the nose yeah yeah and you get hit in the nose in the face nothing hurts worse than no, that no no and, and it and he, Christopher Walken was right you know once when, you get punched in the nose it disorients you so crazy you. that you said that because I wrote down this note it smarts doesn't it that's what he says it says yeah. it smarts doesn't it getting slammed in the nose look I'd like to help you if I could but I haven't seen Clarence You see that? And smarts, doesn't it? You're slammed in the nose. Fucks you all up. Get that pain shooting through your brain, your eyes fill up with water. That ain't any kind of fun. And that's a perfect description of it because when you get punched in the nose, the only word to describe it is you got slammed yeah, in the nose because yeah. that's what it feels. It feels like the worst thing. Yeah, whenever you get yeah, punched, blood, in the face. blood rushes up into your nose, it's fills just, your nose, and and you just disorient. It's such a good adjective. It really is, and and you know you would think that Perfect. you know in, in some of these movies. I mean, again, I'm not a fighter. I'm not. I'm not a one of these professional fighters mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, but but you think about it. You know, in these movies and stuff. You know, how many of these movies would be solved to just punch somebody right in the nose? You know, they might, yeah, might actually you, start re, rethinking their life at that point. Yeah, because typically you get into fights. Oh, oh, you get punched in the face, and you come back and start punching. When you get rocked in the nose like that, yeah. Sometimes you have to take it. You have to take a break because yeah. that that's that's not a fun time. It'd be like <laughs> that just disorients you, and yeah, it's it's not a fun thing. Yeah, if if, if McLean would have hit Hans in the nose, he would have been like, okay, let's pack it up, let's go home back to Germany. You know, uh, I don't have to fall off a building or nothing like that. But as long as uh, you know, all McLean would have had to do is punch him right in the nose, and then the oh, movie would have been over. I was trying to think of what made me laugh so hard. Okay. I don't like like Pearl Harbor. I thought was a good movie. I don't yeah. mind. Like I know a lot of people don't like it, and I get it. And it's, it's a, a love big story type movie. Yeah, but I mean, like half of it was this weird love story where Kate, Kate Beckinsale just can't decide. Nobody who, wants that movie for that she story, wants or really. Whatever. Yeah, but. <laughs> When he already has that nose injury, he got hit in the nose, yeah. and then they're sitting on the bench, and he opens the champagne, and pops him in the nose, and he goes, oh, and his eyes start watering, and he goes, oh, that hurts something fierce. God, it hurts. It hurts something fierce. <laughs> And, and this he, is one of these amazing times that Ben Affleck does really good acting. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah. oh, that hurts something fierce. <laughs> just like his head is like vibrating because it hurts so bad and his eyes are watering. <laughs> it hurts to get hit in the nose. Yeah. So, yeah, him saying, you know, getting slammed in the nose, that's a very good oh, word. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, so we go on to that, you know, and then they basically, you know, you know, it's implied that he is he gets shot. You know, Christopher Walken shoot, shoots Dennis Hopper and then that story is over with. You know, I, I kind of felt a little let down because that wasn't brought up. What well, wasn't brought up? You know, the fact that he killed his dad. You know what I mean? Mm. It wasn't. Clarence never found out on no, screen that no, his dad you, got you, killed. You didn't see his his reaction, you know, and I'm kind of wondering what his reaction really would be. I mean, would it be anger, sadness? I mean, I'm sure he's going to have sadness as his dad and everything, and his dad, you know, raised him and whatnot. But, I mean, do you really think that 
it probably would have affected Alabama probably more, you know, because she loved his dad. You know what I mean? I mean, she and he did too. You know, he didn't yeah. want to help him at first because he wasn't sure what they were into. But do you think we would have saw anger from him more so than anything? Um, or just kind of. I think uh, you know. Obviously, I think he probably realized as soon as the mob guys were there yeah. because his dad had told him that that Drexel guy was was hooked into the mob, and so I think it's and you know the only way they would have known that he was in L.A is from what that because his dad is the only one that knew because yeah. it was written on the piece of paper even though they were making stupid decision after stupid yeah decision. but i mean, I mean they who just, would know that they'd go to la yeah they're, they're pretty much like hanging out at the corner trying to sell all that coke you know what i mean it, trying to much. get news or, uh news uh film studio executives to buy it and everything but um what do you think of christian slater and patricia arquette they're very um odd choices for well patricia arquette i guess i would say was kind of an odd choice for a female lead um but but you know it, the the good thing of, of casting somebody like her into in this film she didn't she didn't take away from from uh christian slater's acting or his character you know they have very I mean? good chemistry they did they did and they they worked really well together and, and i think they dated didn't they maybe who knows, who knows? But but you know they they worked really good together they matched together they they just um, you know it, it was a good choice I think you know in the long run I think I I'm not a huge fan of Juliette Lewis I just I'm not because I just feel like she's she plays almost the same character in almost every, every film in a way and even on TV you know like watching her on My Name Is Earl or something like that you know she's still playing that kind of crazy but yet broken uh character you yeah know what i mean in that Who show gets her butt kicked by yeah <laughs> just by Jamie Presley, which was awesome when's the first time you remember seeing uh juliette lewis no um oh geez uh, patricia arquette in a movie um i want to say was it was it that one uh where she gets the the yep that's what I was going to say. Too. Yeah. Stigmata. Stigmata. That's it. Yeah. That's that's, that's, that's that's the first time I remember seeing her. She comes um, from royalty, though. It's from acting royalty. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of Arquettes in, in Hollywood and stuff. But I also remember her in Little Nikki as the real nerdy girl. Yes. Remember, we got we got we did get her. We did a podcast over one of her brother's films. Actually, We did. Uh, in Scream. So. Well, yep. And then we also uh, also Alexis Arquette was in She's All That. That's right. Um, that's right. As the performer up on stage and everything. But <laughs> yeah, I uh, and obviously, you know, she was in uh, your favorite, what's considered to be uh, a huge fan favorite of the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street um, series in, in part three, Dream Warriors. And that was her very, very first credit. Yeah. And she was the lead in, in The Nightmare on Elm Street. That's right. That's right. For some reason, I seem like, I don't know, because, you know, she does tend to play a lot of these kind of um, damsel in distress type characters a lot. But they end and, and up fighting for one, her own. Yeah. And then end up, end up uh, you know, realizing that, you know, they're a lot stronger than they, they, they started out to be. You right. know, just like in this movie, she was... Very kind of you know innocent, doe-eyed, childlike, Freddy, stigmata, yeah. even little Nikki. Yeah, you know, yeah. So <clears throat> she does a lot of those. And uh, what was that TV show she was on for a while? Oh, uh, the what was it? Oh, that's gonna tick me um, off. See, I think she was in a C- CSI one for a while. She was in Boardwalk Empire for a while. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, medium. That's medium, it. Medium, that's it. Yeah, medium. Yeah. That's what she had done. Um, but yeah, she she's all right. Christian Slater is 
quite the personality, isn't he? He really is. You either you either don't like him or you like him a lot. There's no in between, I think, with his. But he's he's always such like a he's got a cool, laid back charm. He's got this drawl to his voice. Who does he remind you of? Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. Yes. I feel like you know, and I think it's been compared this uh, that that there's comparisons to be made with him and uh, Jack Nicholson. Uh, because there are some roles where they're like, yeah, you kind of did Jack Nicholson in this. And he admitted like, yeah, I, I did. I had watched a Jack Nicholson movie and uh, I have no shame about it. But he always has, you know, oh, you know, that draw, you yeah. know, you know, that the, 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 I'm not a, I can't even do it right. But, you know, just that that draw and that that uh, punctuated uh, way of talking. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of sarcastic. The way he's putting it out there and it's punchy and everything. Well, that's kind of why I think I feel like Emilio Estevez in a way is like that too. I mean, he Emilio does a lot of uh, comedy type movies, you know, but at the same time he's got that he's got that draw where it's like you know nobody really ever talks bad about him, you know, or nobody really even says okay he's Oscar worthy performance here and there. He's just kind of in the middle, and I think that's where he lives, just like Emilio Estevez. Maybe I, I just I've always seen. Christian Slater is more of a is way more laid back than Emilio Estevez. You know, he's just yeah. like this this kind of guy with confidence that even if he's not all that, he's got the confidence like he's all that and everything. And it's great for this movie because Clarence starts out <clears throat> as this film nerd, right? And he loves he knows everything about film, kung fu, Elvis, all this kind Comic of stuff, books, stuff like right? That. Uh, basically Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Um, and he knows all this stuff and has all this stuff, but he stayed pretty stagnant his whole life. Um, he, he talks to a girl at the bar at the beginning, the whole, yeah. uh, you know, I'd F Elvis the little speech that he had. Um, <laughs> like, okay. yeah. And, th- th- but that's what I'm saying is, you know, he, cause she'd say, Oh, I'd do the same. Even though he's not supposed to be a very, uh, uh, just just very popular with the ladies or whatever. Yeah. Or just a lonely guy yeah. doesn't have any friends, no girlfriends or anything like that. Failure to launch, in but a way. he's still such this charismatic, charming guy. So it's like he's always had that, and he's probably gotten it from movies. Yeah. He talks like James Dean or cool, cool, yeah. you know, movie characters. But it's just never done anything in his life because he didn't know what his purpose was or yeah. whatever. And so I feel like as soon as Alabama came into his life. He switches into movie mode, right? Okay. Who in their right mind would go to a pimp? Why wouldn't they just run away? Yeah. yeah. Right? Who in their right mind would, first of all, go to the pimp, and second of all, go to the pimp with an attitude and a speech that you know is going to... You at least have to know, you know. You know, he gave them an empty envelope and brought a gun and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, he was going in there to be confrontational. I'm not eating because I'm not hungry. I'm not sitting because I'm not saying I ain't looking at the movie because I already seen it seven years ago. It's the Mac. Max Julian, Carol Speed, and Richard Pryor. I ain't scared of you. I just don't like you. And that envelope right there had some payoff money. Alabama's moving on to some greener pastures. We're not negotiating. I don't like to barter. It's in that envelope right there. It's for my peace of mind. My peace of mind is worth that much. Not one penny more. <laughs> Marty, 
You know what we got here? Motherfucking Charlie Browns. <laughs> Mr. Majestic. Look here. Charlie. None of this bullshit is necessary. I don't got no hold over Alabama. <laughs> I just trying to lend a girl a helping hand. Who would do that? I, not a person that spends their their nights in comic book stores and in a movie yeah. theater, um, but Clarence I think is so wrapped up into movies and his kung fu movies and whatever it is. He's seen all the bad boys, the anti heroes, the different things like that, and he's adopted those sensibilities. And you know, so is he a badass? No, but I mean, he 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 has enough confidence and enough experience in watching movies that he can he can act like one. And by doing that, yeah, he eventually does kind of become that badass character because by the time she's writing, you're so cool on a napkin. I mean, everything he's done has worked out, and it's all been due to his confidence. Even the cops, when he was holding that gun up to that dude in the elevator, even the cops are like, oh, this I like this Clarence, dude. He's a crazy one, you yeah. know? And this was a kid that was sitting in the theater by himself a, a week ago, you know, yeah. not doing anything. And, and Well, that's, that's why I felt like them, it kind of was like, again, a yin-yang situation where, you know, neither one were complete without the other. And, and I still go back to say I feel like the true romance doesn't really fit it so much, you know, but... I just say true romance fits because it's kind of, it's, it reminds me of a fairy... Like, if Quentin Tarantino were right, a modern-day fairy tale, this is what you'd get. Right, right. But that's why I think them together is basically like one person, you know, like basically Quentin Tarantino in that sense, you know. I feel like, you know, that he wouldn't have done this stuff if he hadn't met her. And she wouldn't have... Uh, basically done anything if she hadn't met him and then once they met each other they became one in that right. sense right know? they had to bring each other uh, each other out but you know I, that's what i've always taken it as 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 soon as she comes into his life and she says she tells him what he does and that she has a pimp and all this kind of stuff he goes into the bathroom and starts talking to his little imaginary um elvis friend. elvis friend and they didn't get to ru- the rights from the Elvis uh, Elvis's estate yeah. to feature him in this movie. But we all so that's know. why you never see his face really, yeah. and that's why in the credits he's not listed as Elvis. He's listed as mentor. Yeah, mentor uh, as Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer obviously plays the imaginary Elvis um, I, mentor. I mean, did you know it was Val Kilmer? Like the first word he spoke. Uh, maybe not back in the day. I've always known that he played yeah, it. Yeah. But it's one of those things. Like I I don't remember a time when I was like. Uh, that I didn't know that it wasn't Val Kilmer. I think I had read it somewhere, and I either knew it or I was like, "Oh, yeah. that's cool." But I don't you, remember. You, yeah, when you first watch it, I guarantee you probably even even for the avid viewer. I mean, I, I understood it because I'd seen it before, and then I watched it again, and so I already kind of knew it was Val. Kilmer. I mean, I I knew it was Val Kilmer, you know. But at the time, it's just it, his voice is very, it, it, you know, you can't mistake his voice for really a lot of other people, you yeah. know. So do you think it's I know what I was getting at? Do you think Clarence confronting Drexel? Do you think that's, he did that because that's what they do in movies? He's seen it many done many times, and you know we all have this fantasy, right? You know, and I heard this the other day. You know, everybody has a fantasy of like if there's a 
a shooter or some kind of uh, crazy events going on, you're going to be the hero to yeah, save people yeah. or whatever, right? So is he thinking that? Is he looking at movies and, and has a situation with Alabama where they could just run? But no, that's not what you do. In movies, you go and confront the person, you give him the finger, and you do your badass thing. Or do you think maybe it was a thing because his dad was a cop and he felt you, a sense of duty? Well, are you talking about like his motivation? Like for why it? did he do that? Because he was a guy that sat in a theater and didn't do anything, sat in a comic book store and didn't do anything. He meets this girl and sees that she's got a pimp and everything, knowing that it's a dangerous world. He probably wasn't even thinking about the mob being connected to it all and all that. But, I mean, going and being confrontational like that, when it seems like he's gone his whole life without doing much of that, yeah. do you think that was because of a movie thing where he's he's now like, okay, I need to be like this action hero. I need to be this hero for Alabama. Or do you think it's more of just like uh, either him being a naive kid or a sense of duty because his dad was a cop? What do you think? I think he was kind of him act this way. I think he was love drunk in a way where we're to the point where you know he he, he wasn't thinking any anything else but you know impressing Alabama. I mean, because they've been they got married after one day, right. you know, or one evening actually, and and uh, they. I think it was more so because he was kind of like love drunk in a way that he wasn't thinking about any consequences. All he was thinking about doing was impressing her and, uh, you know, basically getting her stuff back. You know what I mean? And and, and showing to her that she, he can be that man for her and, and, and that, you know, husband for her or whatever and, and take care of her. You know, I, I feel like it was just more of it because may, probably his dad, that's the way his dad raised him to be, you know, to, to be. To, to look out for the little guy, you know, and to, to help anybody and, you know, take care of your family and things like that, you know, because they did try to throw a little bit of his family life in there, you know, about his his mom and, you know, and his dad and how, how his, you know, he, he grew up basically to be like his dad, except for the whole career choice in that yeah. sense. I've always think, you know, I was thought just, just because of Clarence's oddness and his mercurial nature, uh, it just makes him come off as, you know, mysterious and possibly dangerous. You know, there's always been kind of a possibly dangerous slant to Christian Slater's eyes where, you know, even when he's playing a good guy, you, you think he could be a bad bad guy or a bad boy really quickly. Uh, but, you know. Because of psychosis. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's always saying, you know, you're so cool. He is cool. Yeah. But I think that's because he's an amalgamation of every badass character he's ever seen. Yeah. And it just took Alabama to turn him into a hero or anti-hero. And like, I'm doing air quotes. Right. So you can't see. Yeah. But. but like you were saying, you know, earlier that, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is that they, they really are both two psychopaths. You know, they because the thing is, is they don't see what they're doing is wrong. All they see is the the possible outcome, the reward, you know what I mean? They don't see the risk involved in it and they don't want to see the risk. They don't care about the risk. All they care about is the reward at the end of the, the rainbow, you know, and then that's what they're looking towards. They don't care who they have to step on. That's why he went to his dad and said, Hey, I'm going to borrow some money and we're leaving. We're leaving. Yeah, I've got his I've dad got... into it, knowing his dad would be put in an odd situation. Right. And right. That. And telling him to ask his cop buddies about so-and-so, you right. know, and, 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 you know, I, I feel like he was just kind of, you know, He's like, I'm starting over, and I don't know how. I don't care how I'm getting there. You know, him and Alabama are like, we don't care how we're going to get there. We're going to get there, and you know, let let the risk be gone. You know, who cares? <laughs> like when he's like, I swear, to God, Dad, she's she tastes like a peach. Yeah, and like, then he kisses she, her as she gets, and then does he taste like a peach. Some bitches, right? Tastes like a peach. Come on, Rommel. Come on, boy. Come on, come on. Come on. Um, Gary Oldman, I don't know. What are your opinions? 
I thought it was good. I thought his performance was good. I mean, he he said that this is basically his favorite performance, you know. And, and has he? Yeah, he's actually said that this was when he was asked what his favorite performance. He like says it was now this one. or up until then. I can't remember, but I know pretty recently he's actually said that where you know they've asked him what his favorite role was, and he said it was this one in particular. And I don't even think he got paid for it. You know, I mean, to the point where where well, he might have got paid for it, but it was like you know that he didn't even. Uh, try out for it in the sense that they said basically they told him what the role was and he said okay he said done well yeah because it was Tony Scott wanted him and he was trying to tell him what the movie was and Tony Scott said look I'm not good at explaining this the role and Gary Oldman said yeah okay well that's fine just tell me what the character is and he goes well he's a pimp who thinks he's black but he's white and Gary Oldman's like I'll do it Yeah, automatically, I'll do it. You know, and, you know, he had heard somebody talking like he talks in the movie and asked him to record him. And so he had him say a bunch of stuff and then started practicing his lines and all that. And that's where he got that from. But it's one of these transformative performances where not a bit of Gary Oldman cracks through. No, not at all. It's all all that character who thinks he's black. And all and and the whole intimidation between him and Clarence saying yeah. you, you ain't you ain't looked at that TV once once you get in. I I know I'm pretty but I ain't that pretty yeah. you know that yeah, type yeah. of thing and he you know he's swinging the light back and forth and you know he he thinks he's 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 good and all that but then Clarence is able to twist around he's like first of all I've seen this movie I don't want to eat because I'm not hungry I don't want to sit down because I'm not going to stay long yeah and that's when the the badass character of Clarence comes out you yeah. know but for the first time but uh, but yeah his. His performance, I thought he went out pretty quickly. I thought for what he was in this movie, that he'd maybe be the one the, the main chasing owner. him after yeah. cross-country, going to L.A. or whatever. Yeah, that did kind of surprise I just me. wanted to see he more just, of it. Yeah, he just got killed right off the bat. And you just, not right off the bat, but kind of right off the bat, you know. And, and, and it just, he for did. For being so, Clarence's first murder, uh, it's quite an interesting choice, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, he, he murders. He's just a murderer. He's just a bad guy. You know what I mean? So then again, you know, he, he's saying probably a lot of words he probably shouldn't yeah. be saying because, again, he is a, a degenerate character that Quentin Tarantino just kind of threw in there to to just be a derogatory character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, in Gary Oldman, he just plays so uh, – whenever he plays a role, it's just so transformative. Um he played he played Winston Churchill. How did he pull that off? That and Dracula. Yeah. And, and I mean, Serious Black, that probably wasn't too far off from how he really is or whatever. But To a point, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just whenever he gets in these roles where he really just transforms himself, transforms his voice, you know, the whole, uh, we talked about him in The Fifth Element, you know, yeah. when he was uh, that character in there with his little Southern, yeah. his weird Southern accent and everything. Yeah. Well, and if you notice a lot of these movies, you know, Quentin Tarantino likes to, he, he likes his, the leading men in all of his movies to be extremely strong, but all the women are stronger in all his movies. If you've noticed. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's should They definitely, I mean, look at Jackie Brown, you know, yeah. um, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, maybe not so much, but then, you know, Kill Bill, Kill mm-hmm. Bill volume two, yeah. um, and Glorious Bastards. You had, yeah. um, oh, what was her name? Oh, uh, she was at the very beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Farewell. She was, yeah, she was the one un- hiding under the stick. Shoshana. 
Yeah. So he goes, farewell, Shoshana. But in this film, you know, you again, you have a strong female lead with with her character strong. Natural you know, born killer. Natural born killer. Exactly. And, which is kind of cool that he does that, you know, in the sense that, you know, it, no, just because they're a woman, you know, they're not any weaker than these men. And he shows that. He shows that they, they have that strength. And that they're, you know, they're just stronger in certain areas. You yeah. And in, in, in better areas than, than men, you know, in, in certain areas, you know. So did you think that Alabama was going to die? I no, did. I did. I did. I like, like, you know, I know you say, oh, well, I knew because I've seen this before. But I, I got the sense that 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 scene is supposed to make you think, that, okay, she's she's going through all this. With James Gandalf. Yeah, yeah. And like, like you know, Christian Slater is going to come back or Clarence is going to come back and find her dad yeah. and just lose his and go after like the whole mob. Yeah. Thing, yeah right. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's very cinematic. That's very, which he probably in all reality probably wouldn't get very far I, but by he, himself, you know, you'd say that, but yeah. Clarence made it this far know. being a the theater nerd that just watched movies. Yeah. Hell movies have watched him do that. You know, maybe he's, he watched walking tall or any of these movies where you have but one remember, man going yeah. after this huge but group of people. But remember really, he did it with Alabama though, you know, and that's where I keep going back. But I back think it would be like a revenge like one person. thing or something, but I see what you're saying. That's with the that. point. She yeah. was getting hurt, her butt handed to her. I mean, yeah. she, that was, that's one of the hardest scenes for me to watch. Me too. I can't, I don't like watching scenes yeah. where it's like somebody that's uh, a woman, especially getting beat that badly and that bloody and everything, yeah. but she can't, but I do go through it because I know she comes out on top yeah. and I know that it's not Clarence running in to save the day yeah. and to save her. She's this is won the, that this fight is the point I'm making. before yeah. he came in. Yeah, so I yeah. was kind of piling and, on on and, that. And with, with, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, like James Gandolfini was one of my favorite actors. Still is to this day. I mean, he's just, he's passed I've still already. never seen The Sopranos. Oh, man. Love The Sopranos, man. I've watched it several times now. But, you know, he, he's just such a good actor. But he plays, I mean, he, he tends to be pigeon-told with uh, Pigeon-told? Pigeonholed with a lot of his his characters, you know. I mean, he plays the 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 mob gangster, you know, the the Italian mob gangster t- type act, you know, character. Where, but then you get a lot of these ones where he's playing general. You know, it's not about his race or anything, but you know, he does such a good role, does such good acting in everything he does. And then in this one, he did he did just as well. You know, I mean that especially that interaction with Brad Pitt. Who who is you know uh, one of the biggest we talk actors? About Floyd. Yeah, one of the biggest actors on the planet, and he's playing this role in this movie where it's just basically like he's now back just then, a, the stoner idiot. He know? wasn't quite Brad Pitt. No. He uh, so he did Thelma and Louise with Tony Scott, obviously. Uh, was it Tony Scott that did Thelma and Louise? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Um, but <clears throat> anyways, he had done that, and you know they had actually considered Brad Pitt for Clarence. Um, which I don't think would have worked out no. as well. Not not with the Brad Pitt that was back then, or maybe even any Brad Pitt. But um, they're just not right for the Brad Pitt's a great actor. Just not right for the character. I don't think. Yeah. Well, he says, "Don't, don't condescend me." Yeah. He's like, <laughs> "Condescend me, man. I'll kill you." Yeah. All right. You take care. I might be back. Yeah. Okay. Be cool. Condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you, man. You know, just the way he to, like, to, to James Gandolfini's. I mean, his, after he walked frame, away and he yeah. says it real quietly. It's huge that frame. Kind of. I mean, and, and then with his acting with, with her with Patricia Arquette, it was pretty awesome because he was able to control it. And, and you know, you know, in Sopranos, he had a little bit of this. You know, he was he hit women and stuff like that. And again, that's very hard to see. But I've got to believe, especially in our culture today, that that wouldn't 
if he wasn't like that at all, that like if he was actually like this character, I mean, he would be canceled a long time oh, ago. Oh yeah, which we know he's not well, to this day. You and know, if you look at if you look at uh, what's his name, um, uh, Jeremy Piven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You might get confused with your character yeah. the way he puts it. Right, but but it's it's you know he 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 does a really really good job in this movie. I mean, she ends up uh, whooping him at the end, you know, and uh, but you know he played such a devious just had no remorse no morals really type character in this film and i thought he did it really well and just to, to react with brad pitt's character who happened to be just kind of go with the flow really not that important person really has no aspirations you know and to deal with somebody who's just kind of happy-go-lucky and then james gandolfini is just pure evil character and same thing with you know alabama how she was so pure and so so sweet and loving everybody, but you know he was just such an evil, evil person. But like, hey, do you remember when he punched her? The look he gave. Yeah, is he punched her in the nose? But too? he punched her, and then when she falls, he like looks up. And he's like, "Oopsie!" You know, yeah. it was a really weird look that he made. But that—that's the evilness. Did you know Times Tom Sizemore was supposed to play that character? Well, so he, and he plays a lot of movie characters in his film. I mean, well, he's in he was one. in this yeah, one. Yeah, so know, he played a, a, cop. a cop, and uh, and uh, Sean Penn's brother, Chris Penn, yeah. played the other cop. And didn't he pass away? He did pass okay. away uh, a while ago. Um, and we'll probably get getting more into him because he's in some movies that we're going to talk about in the future. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Tom Sizemore, who played more the louder cop, uh, yeah. the the come on, you know, whatever they're yeah. encouraging. What's his name to 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 press on? Don't let Clarence scare him and everything. But um, he was originally was but wanted um, Tony Scott wanted him for the uh, gangster character that yeah. beat up Alabama, and he goes uh, he didn't want to do that he'd rather play the cop he that that scene in particular with him beating up yeah. Alabama uh, he said it was too hard for him to do and you know you have actors out there that don't want their don't want to play characters that do certain things yeah. because they're afraid that it will then typecast them or or kind of tarnish what they are you know i can play a tough guy and i can pay a jackass but i draw the line at hitting women that type of thing but he did uh recommend um james James gandolfini Gandolfini, who was at that point just like a stage actor yeah and so he he recommended him but um brad pitt had done thelma thelma and louise with tony scott's brother ridley scott ridley scott's okay, the one that okay. did thelma i knew it was a scott yeah, somewhere there. it was a scott and everything but he had also done uh before this one uh he'd done um uh cool world you know one of those first oh, man, animation mixed with real world movie, type of things yeah. i watched it and i was just like uh, i don't know if i should be watching this at my age you know i mean it's especially with the cartoons well, one last thing before we get into our 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 favorites and our worsts um this uh, movie was written as all Quentin Tarantino movies was written uh, out of order. Yeah. And Tony Scott wanted it to be linear. He wanted mm-hmm. it to be from start to finish. Um, Except for the intro and the outro. Well, more so the intro. Kind of, but I mean, so here's here's what happened. Here Here's how it was. So the original structure was um, pretty close to the movie. So the original structure started off with the I'd F Elvis scene, yeah. okay, which is how the movie starts. Then it goes to uh, Drexel killing Samuel Jackson and the other guy and taking that drugs. Yeah. Now, that didn't happen until after we had already met Clarence in Alabama. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but the, the original thing is we don't meet Clarence in Alabama until... 
the second, basically the end of the first act, beginning of second act. Um, so the first act was the I. Well, I guess you can meet Clarence in the IDF Elvis yeah. part, but uh, IDF Elvis. Then uh, Drexel kills Samuel Jackson, and then it cuts to Alabama and Clarence coming to his dad for help. Yeah. So all that stuff that happened with the pimp and Clarence doing what he does that doesn't happen till you don't get to see that till later. So he goes to his dad for help. So that whole time we meet Clarence. We don't know what type of person he is. We don't know that he's not a badass person, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know that he's just like a film nerd that had just happened to meet this girl. For all we know, he's kind of like this this mess up that his dad doesn't like or just tolerates or whatever, but he's kind of like this criminal type of guy who's doing these shady things. Um, so, you know, we... We we all we hear is what Christopher Walken tells Christopher uh, Vincenzo the Vincenzo character tells um, the uh, uh, Dennis Hopper's character what he did. You know, your son came in there blazing, took the money. Him and his horror girlfriend, blah 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 blah. You know, they took the money, all this kind of stuff, and they left. And that's all you know. So you're like, okay, so this Clarence guy is kind of a bad guy. And then. Um, after that whole scene with the, the, the Sicilian and all that, it tells uh, it, it has them going to L.A. and all that. And it's not until they get to L.A. and Dick says, what happened? Where did you get this these drugs and stuff? Then it flashes back to him being in the theater, Alabama walking in, uh, then them spending the night together. So basically a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, but I mean, it. Uh, that's what we were talking about at the beginning is that um, the way he frames movies it it changes the way the movie is presented. It changes the way characters are. The character changes the way the audience sees the movie, because you don't know what Clarence is until he tells his side of the story. Yeah. So it's he's a mystery. You think maybe he's just some badass guy or whatever, but it's a mystery. And then you find out he's just some film nerd that happened to stumble into the situation and decided, okay, I'm going to be one of these action heroes that I see or whatever. Yeah. So then he tells the story of meeting Alabama, what they did, all the way up to where they go to meet Dennis Hopper's dad. Mm. And then it flashes back to the present where he's with Dick again and they show them the drugs and, okay, we need to find somebody to buy this. So um, it, it works out not only in showing us a different way that the story's presented, which makes us see the story differently, which makes us see the characters differently, but it also does a really interesting thing, and Quentin Tarantino's talked about this. So in the beginning, the characters in the in the scene in the movie know everything. Yeah. Okay. Because it's starting out at Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper scene, basically. Yeah. So at this point, all this other stuff has happened. We don't know anything. We don't know what's going on. So it starts off. The first act is. The characters know everything. The audience doesn't know anything. And Quentin Tarantino loves to write movies like that. He loves to write things that'll make people go, "Okay, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? I don't know what's happening." You know, he, 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 and it is entertaining that way because the audience has a trust in the filmmaker. Okay, they're going to fix this. They're going to explain this. This is all going to be worked out. We're going to figure out what this is. So unless it's the tenant. Act two, <laughs> act two. The audience catches up. Okay, yeah. so then by the end of act two, we know just as much uh, or you know as we're catching up now we not start to know everything that they do but in act three now we know more than the characters do 
The audience knows more than the characters. The audience knows that the mob is on their way to find those guys. You know, the audience knows that that Bronson Pinchot, whatever his name mm-hmm. is, that was in Beverly Hills Cop. We know that he has now been roped in by the police to wear a wire and is going to um, squeal on the whole thing. You know, we know all these different things now that the characters don't know. So it's a cool way of, of showing that where, you know, we start out not knowing everything, but the characters know everything. We catch up and now we know more than the characters. And now we're just waiting for the fireworks to happen. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that makes me love movies, makes me love cinema. When somebody thinks about that much, builds up suspense. And uh, that's that's a love for the craft of storytelling. That's a love for the craft of 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 telling a story that people are fascinated with that are, that are so into because they don't know what's happening and you're building up that suspense and you're keeping the secrets from them and then everything comes out at once and it's just I don't know yeah to some if especially if this say you just randomly picked one of his films to watch for the first time I guarantee you you're gonna probably especially if you don't watch a lot of movies you just watch them for fun that kind of thing I guarantee you're going to get to that point where you're probably not going to understand it the first time you watch it. You know, I feel like if if you're not a big, you know, not a big movie buff, but if you're if you're not a movie buff in some sort of fashion and and you have never seen a Tarantino film, you know, it's going to be really hard to kind of keep up, I think. Now, how do you describe Tarantino films? Because my definition of a Tarantino films is one that he wrote and directed and has complete control over. So, um True Romance, I don't really consider it a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's a Tony Scott movie that was written by Quentin Tarantino. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie, but it's not. You know what I mean? Same with Natural Born Killers. Same with Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote the script for, but that story came from Elmore Leonard, who wrote yeah. Justif- or wrote you know um, Raylan and mm-hmm. you know the Justified or Raylan yeah. given stories and stuff like that. He wrote that. He wrote Out of Sight, that was turned into a movie. He wrote Punch. Uh, not punch. Uh, what was it called? Rum punch yeah. that got turned into Jackie Brown. Yeah. So, um, so that's not really a Quentin Tarantino movie either because like he directed Kill, Kill it, Bill, but the maybe. story came from somebody else. Yeah. But yeah. Like so Kill like Bill. Pulp Fiction, yeah. that was like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. That was written and directed by him. All those movies from then on out. But here at the beginning, it gets a little muddy. So, um, like, and the reason I don't call this a Quentin Tarantino movie is because he would have his vision would have ordered this in the order that I just described. Yeah, I'm not Whereas Tony yeah. Scott said, "This is the beginning. This is the end. It's going to go linear." So, um, what's yeah. your favorite part of this movie? I'm gonna have to go with hmm. probably it's gonna be it's gonna be what what Dennis Hopper said. You know, she does taste like peaches. Just, <laughs> that that whole line. I mean, just, just that the way line. He deli- well, the way he delivered it. I mean, most of his parts. You know, just she just take life the way he just treats his son, you know, and then and then you know treats her so much better, even and then just kind of really kind <laughs> of so fed up with him. Yeah, his, his like his mom. Yeah, his his real acting in it has to be my favorite part. Yeah, what about you? I'd say my favorite part is the scene between him and uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, any scene that has heavyweights like Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Uh, Pacino and De Niro yeah. with having a, a scene where you're just sitting here just you, you can cut the tension with butter you're waiting everything that they're saying to each other you're just like oh cinematic gold yes yeah you yeah. know that type of thing but um yeah that that my fa- I have a few favorites though I mean my all-time favorite of this movie is that scene between those two um yeah and not for what's behind it but just just for like 
you could for the power struggle between the yeah. two. You know, it's mainly Christopher Walken has it because of his backup. They got this other yeah. dude in a chair, he's surrounded and everything like that. But there's still a power struggle there, and they're yeah. still one trying to get the best of the other. Absolutely. So I love that. I love the move, the music that Hans Zimmer did. Yeah. This uh, the main uh, theme of this this movie is called "You're So Cool." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so that's 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 cool to hear. I love that. And uh, and you know that that simple line she says at the beginning. You know that's just the way it goes. But yeah. sometimes it goes the other way too. Yeah. You know, and it's just an awesome, amazing writing from Quentin Tarantino. What's 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 the part you hated the most? The very end. Really, you, you see the child and they're on the beach and everything. I thought I thought that was just a. Uh, it was just lazy. Well, did you know in Quentin Tarantino's original story, um, Clarence dies. Yeah. And that shootout when he. Uh-huh. And he he came back to life or whatever. Yeah. He was actually supposed to die and stay uh, dead. And then she would she had their son and everything. Yeah. And I I don't know if she would have named him Elvis in the original script. But yeah. then she 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 even made the point. It's like if he had he you know Clarence asked me often what I would do if he had died, and uh, she goes oh, probably you know uh, not much not much different than what I'm doing now. Though I wouldn't have named our son Elvis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I just thought, did you know that, that was, was actually amazing. Patricia Arquette's son? Yeah, son. yeah, yeah. That, that that played their son. So you didn't like how it ended. No. You, did you not just like that he survived, or did you not like what she was saying, or that it was a happy ending? Like, or what? to be honest with you, they could have in the type of film. And again, you know, the type of films he does, you know, the ending's not always the best. Ending They're very in the grim world. a lot. Yeah, and and so I, I think it would have been better if you would have seen them. That would have been the end, right out after the shootout, you know, and then... And, and there's a lot of open-ended type things. Yeah, yeah. Like when Marcellus Wallace and Bruce Willis escape from being tied up, you know, Marcellus Wallace lets Bruce Willis go, yeah. and he's like, I'm going to deal with this guy, and you don't really know what happens. Reservoir Dogs, you know... Everybody dies. It, yeah, is Mr. Orange dead? Yeah. Is yeah. that guy dead? Is, you know, Mr. Mr. White, is, you know, all these... Or Mr. Blonde, are all these people dead? You know, yeah. who makes it out of their life? Nobody yeah. knows. You know, in Kill Bill, I guess that would be the only one that, uh, one of the ones that, that kind of wraps it up. Hateful Eight. Yeah. You know, you have uh, Samuel L. Jackson and... Uh, and Boyd Crowder, yeah. Walton Goggins. Yeah, you have uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Walton Goggins is the only one left alive. But do they survive? Who knows? You know. So a lot of it's very open ended. They could have left this one. I feel like you know. But Tony uh, Scott's like a normal. I say normal. He's like a director. You know, uh, in the normal sense of the word. Yeah. Word. Beginning, where arc, end. Beginning, middle, end, and you have to have an ending. You yeah. can't leave it open. But audiences I, I, don't I, like open endings. I felt like they could have. They could have just ended it right after the shootout. You know, that kind of just With leave them it driving open-ended. off. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you think he should have died? Do you think he should have stayed alive? Do you think she should have died? I thought it would have been better if he would have died. Yeah. You know, because it wouldn't. Quentin those, Tarantino those characters, agrees with you. And, and I, I think because they're they're they are psychotic that those characters you, you didn't they should, I, probably I would, should have met their end in the bloody yeah, uh, yeah. shootout. And I mean, I, I wasn't sitting there going like, "Oh, I hope they live. I hope they live. I hope they live." It's the only way this would be ending. It's like I don't really care if they die or live. And in it this would be film. very Tarantino as if true romance was dying together in a shootout and a yeah, violent yeah, scene yeah, like exactly, this. You know, exactly. like the two violent people in Pulp Fiction, uh, Tim. Uh, 
Tim Roth and um, oh, what's her name? I can't remember what her name was, but remember their Honey Bun and uh, yeah, the other Baby Cakes. No, Honey Bun <laughs> and something else. But yeah, you know th- those psychotic people that were in love. That reminds me of kind of like yeah, Clarence in Alabama yeah. and everything. That's what I'm saying. Like I really wasn't shooting for them to. You know, when I first watched the movie, I was just went like, oh man, I hope it has a good ending. I just kind of was like, well, I hope it has an ending. That's really all I hope for in this. <laughs> I just movie. want an ending. I want an ending. I don't want anything eventful. I don't think that these characters deserve to, you know. Just don't have it be like a normal Tarantino movie. Actually give us an ending. Yeah, well, there's that. Amid the chaos of that day, when all I could hear was the thunder of gunshots, and all I could smell was the violence in the air, I look back and I'm amazed that my thoughts were so clear and true. That three words went through my mind endlessly, repeating themselves like a broken record. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're so cool. Anyways, uh, we enjoy this movie. It's a it's a very good uh, '90s movie. Um, it's a uh, top it's, ten for you. Uh, it might be, yeah. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Um, just because of the atmosphere, the music, the nostalgia, uh, Christian Slater does a pitch-perfect, amazing job. Um, I don't think I would have wanted anybody else in the role. I love him in this role. I love Patricia Arquette in her role. I love Dennis yeah. Hopper and what he did, Christopher Walken. It was all casted brilliantly, shot brilliantly, scored brilliantly, and written brilliantly it uh, you know i i don't uh, besides the violence but i mean that's more just a personal preference thing or whatever um i don't mind violent movies but sometimes you when you can go overboard it's like okay horror movies go overboard and you deal with it but in a movie like this i don't think you have to go too overboard is it that bloody when people say oh yeah it gets real bloody even when you get punched in the nose you're gonna gush in blood and everything but it's not something that we necessarily have to see but i mean it's it's quentin tarantino's early 90s very violent movies and stuff. So, um, I would say it was just because you know it's like a fairy tale. Uh, it's so odd, uh, but the lines in it are good. The the uh, the relationships between the characters are really good. Um, I just really enjoy this movie, and maybe that's a personal preference thing. But no, I'm right there with you. Though. Yeah. So, anyways, if you guys can watch this, uh, definitely do. I never know if it's like on Amazon, Netflix, because if like if I like a movie and I don't own it, I'll buy it and then I'll forget if I bought it or if it's just free on Amazon or whatever. Yeah. So I don't it's I don't know if it's on Amazon or 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 I know I watched it off of Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I know it's on Amazon. That's where I watched it. They too, have a so. regular one and they have a director's cut on there. Yeah. So you can watch either. Um, I'd like to see a Quentin Tarantino uh, a writer's cut, like cut in the way that he wanted it presented. Yeah. Because he said. Besides the way that it, it was shown, as far as out of order versus linearly, um, he said everything was basically how I wrote it. Yeah, it, you know, Tony Scott was very faithful to the script. He just put it out. He just didn't put it in the order I wanted it to. But he said everything else was faithful. So it'd be interesting to cut this movie or to have some. I don't know. Maybe it's already been done because I know they've done it with like the Phantom Menace and different movies like that, where uh, I think Seth Green making his own cut of the Phantom Menace, where it, it cuts out most of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's I, I want to see somebody make. Uh, cut the movie in that order and then watch it in that order and yeah. see see if it gives you any kind of a different experience. I don't know. Uh, definitely go watch this if you get a chance. Uh, I, I'd say even rent it. Just be very warned. Uh, 
nowadays we have to put these these warnings out. Um, I don't understand it, but I don't understand a lot of things. I'm just trying to be as sensitive to other people as I can. You gotta be so, sensitive. So trigger warning here. It's a very violent mor- uh, movie. This could trigger people. It has uh, violence towards women. Um, one one character in particular gets beat pretty badly. Um, and it's it's a it's a Quentin Tarantino written movie. Yeah. It's a very violent movie, and uh, and and you know language and all that kind of stuff. So very adult movie. Yeah. Um, recommend not watching it around kids or whatever, but uh, give it a watch if you want to see you know Brad Pitt playing a nothing character. You know if you want to see um, uh, what a a fairy tale would look like if Quentin Tarantino wrote it. Um, different things like that. And Tony Scott's work, you know, he's a, an amazing director and uh, he could have done a lot more amazing things. And it's very uh, sad and upsetting. We don't, you know, he's not still around and everything. But um, uh, if, if you get a chance to watch this movie, definitely watch it. We recommend it. Uh, it's recommended by the Post Credit Podcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the Post Credit Podcast, uh, except for Twitter. We're at the Post Credit. Uh, our email address is the Post Credit Podcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. And uh, we're on YouTube, so find us there. Um, get ready. We're about to start our Adam Sandler month. We're going to be a week late probably because uh, of the power outage. We never really addressed that. Yes, me and Drew live right in the middle of the uh, Texas power outage that we've had uh, with the inclement weather. And we were out. Uh, well, I was without power for many days. The snowmageddon. The snowmageddon. And uh, we just uh, the studio was out of power and everything like that. So we just weren't able to put this out when we wanted to. But um uh, March is going to be our Adam Sandler month where we do uh, movies. Should we say what the movies are now? Sure, let's we go wait? for it. Okay, so our first movie, uh, we're going to do um, Happy Gilmore. And then we're going to follow that up with The Wedding Singer. We're going to also be doing Big Daddy. We're going to be doing Punch Drunk Love. And then we're going to be doing Fifty First Dates. Um, Absolutely. I mean, th- there's so many more movies of his that we could add it into this. I mean, we, we tried to do stuff like, you know, it was either or Billy Madison or it was Happy Gilmore and Happy Gilmore happens to be like one of my top five favorite films of all time and and every time I watch it I just I mean it's a it's well that's a the thing like movie. Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison kind of came out real close together yeah. that's why they almost the, the, the same pro- movie in a way and that's why the production company is called Happy Madison Productions yeah. for Adam Sandler and everything um, it's it's so we felt like Happy Gilmore was the better movie and it best represents that yeah. time. Uh, probably Wedding Singer in there too, but I, I just really the love music. The Wedding Singer, yeah. so we're going to do that. Yeah. But, I mean, that also helps represent that time when The Wedding Singer and Big Daddy and stuff came yeah. out like that. And then we have to do the serious um, serious Drunk one, Punch Love. Drunk Love, which which like his first foray into serious roles. Yeah. And then The Wedding Singer, or The wedding, the 51st Dates kind of gets into his later roles, but it's one of the better of his later roles. Yeah. And probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie yeah. is 51st Dates. Yeah. Uh, that Billy Madison or that Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy. We're just big fans of Adam Sandler, and we were just thinking, you know, hey, let's do a uh, a dedication month, you know, and and we we just so many films of his that that we could use. It's just we're we're, we're picking our uh, five uh, favorites, you know. Not saying that they're all like our favorite favorites, but it's just the ones we thought better represented each time period that they came out with. Right from Billy Madison up to about 2005, you know, that's when right. he had like his crazy pers- uh, popularity. 
And I think that those films best represent, or at least we can get into a, a good broad discussion uh, about Adam Sandler. So stick with us through that. Uh, after that, we're going to have one, two, or three more movies left before we uh, kind of wrap up the season um, with our season finale. So uh, so stick with us. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, please email us, message us, let us know what your favorite uh, Quentin Tarantino movies are and, uh, and you know whether it's written or directed, and let us know what your favorite Adam Sandler movies are um, in preparation for this ne- next month. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.